Hi, this is Will Wheaton from Radio Free Burrito, and you are listening to Versus the World Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Alpha Geek Interviews. I am your host, Other Todd. It is Friday, the 29th of July, 2011. Programmatic announcements. If you are joining us live, and you should be, please come to vtwproductions.com and click the chat button at the top of the page. If you have a webcam, you may want to choose chat and video and join the video wall where you can see the lovely faces of all the other people chatting on the video wall. If you just want to do regular old internet relay chat, simply choose chat and the web chat tool will pop open along with instructions for using your own IRC client if you choose. Please do join us in IRC because we love it. If you want to email the show instead, the email address is the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. Our Alpha Geek this week is the one and only Scott Johnson. Founder. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and there he is. No, I mean, I just, there's so many of me. There's so many Scott Johnson. Sorry, um, continue. Continue with your awesome introduction. There is only you, Scott, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you are the founder of Frog Pants Studios and the creator of the Extra Life webcomic. You may know him from a few little podcasts here and there that he occasionally hears on, such as, oh, I don't know, The Morning Stream, The Instance, Film Sack. App Slappy, and God, it just goes on and on and on and on. Scott Johnson, welcome to Alpha Geek Interviews. Why, thank you, uh, Gnomewise, or the other Todd. Other Todd. <laughs> okay, like my, other other Todd. my other other identity. That's pretty good. Um, I have not seen you in since uh, Nerdtacular in June when you came, and so uh, generously streamed the entire event. I've never really publicly thanked you for that. Uh, as much as I'd like to anyway. So uh, I'll start this whole thing off by saying that was amazing, and uh, I am in, forever in your debt for doing that. That was awesome. What that was was buckets of fun. Uh, yeah. I love going out to what I refer to as gatherings of the tribes mm. and streaming content like that for those tribe members who couldn't get on a plane and come to us. So we actually we just finished doing the same kind of thing for uh, Wootstock 3.0 over in San Diego, and before that we had... Nerdtacular, before that we had Phoenix Comic Con, so whenever we can get into a place where the tribe is, I am just, I am, I am a happy, happy nerd. So that was awesome. Uh, we hope to do it all again next year, as usual, and uh, seeing you there again would be, uh, would be pretty epic. But thanks for having me on, uh, Alpha Geek. I've been, I've been a fan of this for a while. I heard Terpster's interview. That was, that was fun. He's a wacky um, guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting individual. He, pro- he claimed today, we were recording the instance, and I told him I was about to go on this, and he said, uh, you know, things have gone downhill since he was on. That, that, that it, it's never quite held up to the to the bright light that was his interview. And uh, so, as usual, very very humble, very um, very humble approach to things that, that Turkster always seems to show. But I hope today we can we can we can show the world that a he's lighting and b he needs a swift kick in the British uh, testicles. You know, if you're just it. just looking for an excuse to fly to the UK, and I think I may have just gotten it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good. 
You, me, a seven seven seven, and Terpster's ass. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, I cannot. I cannot even imagine the hilarity that would that would ensue. We'd have to tape everything, record everything, get it all on film, pics where it didn't happen, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the the entire reason I am in podcasting and internet radio at all is actually the direct result of a trip to the UK. Oh really? Is, oh yeah. Um, while while visiting the UK, uh, met up with. Uh, veteran podcaster and one of the uh, main guys over at wow radio which is what we used to be uh total biscuit and he summarily got me hooked on the whole idea of internet radio and the rest as they say is lol's famous on the internet history oh cool yeah total biscuit uh, uh, uh a formidable force in podcasting for sure to be oh yeah yeah, and and a much nicer guy than he makes himself out to be oh i know yeah a lot of the stuff that people get from him is if they get the negative vibe, they're mostly getting, I don't know if I call it an act, but it's definitely part of his persona to, oh, heck yeah. to do that on the radio. You meet him in real life, I'm guessing he's a he's a super nice guy. He's he's always had some salty words for <laughs> for the instance, and I've always sort of just said, ah, I bet if I met him, you know, we, we would have a lovely uh, cup of tea or whatever it is they do over there. I mean, whenever you are the big man on campus, uh, we're, of course we're going to throw our rocks at you because we all wish we were you secretly or not so secretly, but uh, we'll get to that eventually. Sure, why not? So to begin at the beginning, Scott, where was you born? Oh, my gosh, that far back, eh? A little bit. I was born in a, uh, a hospital <laughs> in uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, where, where I sort of live now. I'm, I'm a bit further south uh, than that, but I still live in the grand state of Utah. Um, if you've heard the morning stream at all, you know I exhibit a certain level of pride in my uh, where I live. I love it no, here. Really? Yeah, it's. I mean, so you've been now. You've you've seen. It's it's beautiful here. It's, oh, it's an amazing. No, I've, I've been to Salt Lake many times, and it is an absolutely gorgeous part of the country. Yeah, I just I I love that part of it, and it's a great place to raise kids, and and uh, so me and the family are very happy here. But um, yeah, all those heady days back then, my mom. Um, uh, expelled me forth on uh, July 17th in the year of my birth and that's um, it's, it's all been history since then <laughs> so yes I was born in these United States in this Salt Lake City and well judging from all the very warm fuzzy vibes we get off of you from shows like the morning stream uh, I'm assuming your upbringing there was a rather happy uh, and uh, you have great nostalgia for it I do I have a great a great uh, childhood, great memories, great um, <clears throat> great family upbringing. Very unusual, I think, for uh, or at least compared to some of my friends. So, my mother uh, married my dad, and my mom had previous to marrying my dad, she had been married before to this dude who uh, looked like the most promising um, husband ever. He he was going into a career of, uh, in uh, the pharmaceutical business. And as a result, during his time at the University of Utah, got hooked on a bunch of substances that they were able to test and mess with oh my. at the school and ended up kind of going way off the deep end and became a addict. And my mom left him as long before I was born. Yeah, wisely. Um, she, uh, her and my older brother, Mark, who's 10 years my senior, uh, moved out, kind of were on their own for a while. She met my dad uh, about a year a year and a half, two years later, I was born. But between the time they got married and the time I was born, my mom had nine miscarriages. Yikes. Most of them early term. A couple of them got up to five, six months. And one of them went full term. Uh, 
the one right before me, mm-hmm. and actually died in, in, or died just prior to childbirth. So there was this kind of hideous, you know, cloud hanging over my mom uh, regarding children. Uh, regarding children, right? And they wanted to have a family and, and all this, and and you know, bring more in. My brother was there, of course, but you know, my dad wanted to to have his own kids and all that kind of stuff. So. Anyway, I'm totally a bit of a fluke. Doctor didn't think it was possible. After all those miscarriages, they were like, this isn't going to work. Um, yet I was born. So there I was. My mom ended up having another five or six miscarriages after me. And that made for an interesting choice, which was to adopt kids. Um, and back then, South Korea was not the, you know, relatively large, you know, awesome place that it is now. It was kind of a very poor, uh, lots of orphans, kind of, a um, you know, recovering from the Korean War still sort of thing in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, people were adopting Korean kids a lot. And, you know, famous ones like Margaret Cho and others sort of came from that uh, that time frame. Um, I hope I'm telling, I think I think it's that comedian. I hope I'm not thinking of somebody else. But anyway, it doesn't matter. She doesn't <laughs> listen to this. Um, so she, uh, we had two, two of my sisters are, are Korean born. They were born in orphan, orphanages and then adopted and brought here as infants. So they've grown up here uh, pretty much from age, probably two months, three months old, all the way to, to adulthood. And my brother, Matt, who some of the instance community know as Ding Pong. We have a good time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was brought here when he was nine. And so I grew up in a very interesting ethnic uh, configuration in a predominantly white, uh, you know, sort of Caucasian uh, state and city, we were unusual in the sense that we had all this sort of mix going on in the family. And I think that was a, that was a pretty big impact on all of us. It was, a, it was a really interesting way to grow up. It gave you all kinds of insight on what it means to be different. And uh, my brother, of course, you know, still knew both languages and was struggling with an accent and all that. So it was, you know, it was like growing up with a, with an exchange student who was your brother from then on. and Anyway, all those sorts of things added up to be a very interesting upbringing, but I have nothing but happy memories of it. It was a, it was a great time, and I have another Caucasian sister who was born well after all this, another fluke, who, uh, who, is, who I'm very close with. and Everybody remained very close. We still remain very close. Sadly, my dad died way too early at the age of 63 back in 2000. Um, but he was a huge influence on me because... As it turns out, like my addiction to video games and my love for video games kind of started with him. Um, he had, unbeknownst to us when I was about eight or nine years old, gone into the video game business, the arcade business, without many of us, much of us really even knowing about it. He just showed up one day with two uh, full-size stand-up uh, uh, Space Invaders machines in the back of his truck. And I couldn't believe it because I was, you know, I liked arcades and stuff with my friends and whatever. But I couldn't believe these were in our house. They had free play turned on. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, that's think, the important I, part. Actually, I think you just pulled the door open and just flicked the thing until you got as many credits as you wanted, as I remember. But um, that was the beginning of, you know, 10 or 15 years of, uh, of video games in the house. And we had, you know, Donkey Kong and Missile Command and Battlezone and Asteroids and just every every one of those, that era's games you can think of we probably had that in the basement or in the, or in the garage uh, on free play which made me a very popular kid in junior high oh you high think school. oh my gosh they you know, i'm jealous of you <laughs> i mean it was i would have you know i was i was kind of a nerd growing up but i would have these big time popular jock friends come over all the time and i remember like thinking, battle zone oh they like me for me but no they liked me for my video games um 
uh, the adult so that perspective. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, it just it just instilled in me this desire to be in that world, and and I loved following the changes in the in the industry and the technology, and you know, it just appealed to me on every level, and it never left me. It always always stuck with me all through my you know early console years. I've owned them all. I've had them all, and even to this day, um, you know, there's nothing like a good trip to the arcade and and stuff. And it's you know, I I'm a dad to thank a lot for that. He was. He was just so he was more into the fun we were having than he was the business itself because he happened to kind of get in at a bad time in 1985 or so 85 86 the entire industry kind of took a big dump anyway yeah and uh, everybody was making Pac-Man clones and nobody was innovating and arcades were shutting down left and right and it really hit him hard um, and that next year or that I guess that year in 85 Nintendo's entertainment system hit the U.S. shores and that was a huge deal and kind of started making arcades very irrelevant. Uh, so that was rough, but still being around all that and having that around uh, was a pretty pretty cool experience for me. I, I loved it. Awesome. So when did art enter your life? What's your first memory of the significance of art in your uh, upbringing? Probably, well, I, I have this memory of when I was seven years old. And I was always very visually oriented and kind of creative and was always doodling and stuff, but... When I was seven years old, my parents had a big chalkboard in the kitchen for some reason. I still don't know why that was in there. And um, as the as the legend goes, and I don't really remember this in detail, I just kind of remember generally the reaction. But I had gone in there, and with a piece of chalk, I drew uh, Bert and Ernie um, because I was really into Sesame Street at age seven. And uh, hell, I'm still into it now if you give me the old episodes. But anyway. Um, stuff is Not, brilliant. <laughs> it is. The, the Children's Television amazing. Workshop. Yeah. Probably pretty much from 69 till 80, 87 or 88. That whole period is some of the, that stuff's amazing. Anyway. Groundbreaking. Just creative, groundbreaking, uh, just joyful, amazing stuff. So I was really into Bert and Ernie, and I drew this picture of them. Um, and uh, the memory I have is my mom freaking out about it, saying, oh, my gosh, this is this is so good. This, can you do this all the time? You know, like they're acting like I was some kind of weird savant kid. And they called all the neighbors over and all these neighbor ladies came over and just raved and giggled and laughed. And in the sense I remember feeling from that was, wow, maybe this is something I can actually do. Now, if I went back and found that now, if somebody ever took a picture, I'm guessing it looks like trash. You know, I, seven-year-olds don't know how to draw yet. Mm, but if, something if you have about an aptitude that, for it, you may uh, surprise I guess yourself. so. Maybe I'd see it and go, oh, wow, for a seven-year-old, that's not bad. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I look back at stuff I did in high school or college, and I just go, ugh, I sucked, you know? No, you were but that's how it always is. You yes. you evolve and change and whatever. Um, but, it, but that put me on a path of just wanting to draw all the time, and it was kind of my escape for everything. So <clears throat> if I was bored in school, I would doodle. If I wanted to get away from bullies, I would draw. If I wanted to hang out with my friends, we would do things where we would all draw together. We'd go to animation festivals. We would, you know, read Mad Magazine until the middle of the night. We would, you know, just constantly doing something in the in in the way of art. And um, specifically, I was more interested in things like illustration and ultimately things that were, you know, comic-y related, more humor-based stuff. And, um, you know, I just couldn't stop after that. So that was pretty much my track till today, to be honest. It's always been just keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing, and then... Ooh, in 2001, I went, you know, this internet. 
Aha, which is brings you right to stuff. the next question. <laughs> when did yeah, you notice I'll the let web? You ask it first. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, when like, when did you see ahead. the the potential of you know, taking the the art part of your life and and seeing this whole worldwide web thing as a possible mesh there? Well, the year was 1998, and I remember seeing a couple of very early forms of of uh, online comics. I hadn't yet seen Penny Arcade or some of the others we think of now as kind of the grandfathers of all this, but there was some other stuff floating around out there, and I just thought, oh, wait, you know, as rudimentary as the tools were at the time, here is an opportunity for me to put stuff online and, A, something to keep me drawing all the time. Whether, whether or not it finds an audience, I didn't really care. It was more of a here's a place where I can I can create a schedule and I can put something up and constantly challenge myself and, and all of that, and I, you know, so that was kind of the initial impetus for that. And the first comic I did was not actually Extra Life. It was in 1999. I started a comic called Real Tunes, which was a, it's a long story, but it's kind of a play on words of uh, dealing with a site I used to do um, uh, reviews of of maps that were created for a Unreal Tournament mod called Infiltration, and it was called Real Real Maps. And I decided to do this comic, call it Real Tunes, to sort of play on the name and you know, kind of bring audience over. But it was basically jokes about military gaming, because that's what this mod was. It's essentially, you know, um, modern warfare before there was modern warfare sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I started that comic in 99, did that for quite a while. And in 2001, that's when I decided to do this uh, this Extra Life thing. And it also turned out that at the time, GameSpy.com was interested in running that comic as a a regular feature. So there was a lot of motivation to to sort of start it and get that going. and that was 10 years ago, last month, I guess, um, that I that remember started. I saw you lamenting the fact that you had, had left the date slip by unobserved originally before you realized, oh, God, it's been 10 years. Yeah, I know. I kind of don't know why I didn't. It still bugs me that I didn't see the 10-year mark and make a big deal out of it. I just, it just, you know, it was right in the middle of Nerdtacular, and it was right was in the middle of all the things. In your copious spare time. Right. All that extra spare time that I don't really have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel a little bad about that, but at the same time, it's kind of interesting that the the thing that made it so I missed the 10 years was that that comic has led to so many things that have that have provided me a way to do what I'm doing full time, you know, to essentially live my seven-year-old dreams um, when I was seven, drawn Bert and Ernie, uh, that I, that it, it, you know, in the process of, of now having that, all that to do and all that to think about, it, it made me forget <laughs> About the day that I, you know, started to think ten years ago, so that was weird. Well, to but, uh, to pursue that line of of where it has come to, at what point did podcasting show up on your radar? All right. Well, the same year, ninety nine, I started a show about that same mod called Infiltration. I was really heavy into that into that group into that um, community. There's still some around that you know are still involved in everything I do, but. At the time, it was very, very niche and very cool, and I was really into it. So I started this show called Infiltration Radio, and it was hosted by me, and I would do interviews with the developers and the artists that were working on the mod, um, talk about news that was going on, when the, you know, when the new uh, version of the mod would be made public, when the alpha was due, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I remember once uh, uh, Cliff Blazinski back in 99 or 2000 said, oh, Infiltration is one of the most promising mods in the works today and we made a big deal out of that and did a big special show about it so this is all back when mp3s were just barely a thing and 
um, everybody was mostly on dial-up still, and getting a four-megabyte song was a was a bit of an ordeal. And, you know, all of those things were still sort of in play on the Internet. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but it really kind of was. Um, and making MP3s was just now a thing you could start to sort of do. And Winamp was out, and you could kind of create this broadcast thing with a shoutcast server. And all those things were just starting to be things that were possible. But there was no such thing as iPods yet or even, you know, I think maybe early on the the Diamond Rio players and some of that stuff was out. But we were nowhere near what Apple was about to do to that side of the world. And there was no such thing as RSS. There was no such thing as, you know, iTunes or any of these sort of uh, aggregates or aggregation programs that would put podcasts in a place where people could get them easily. So you couldn't even play them through your browser. There was, like, no plugins yet for that. It was just like download the MP3 and you better have Winamp or something to play them. And if you were lucky enough to have a portable MP3 player, then maybe you got lucky and you could put it in there. Awesome. Um, but it was hard. It was the you know weird days. And uh, so it was un- unknown territory. I felt like I was kind of very early in on this whole thing now in retrospect. At the time, I just was having fun. And um, I had just gotten off a stint of about a decade on a radio show on a local AM station. And so I had the bug and I wanted to do it real bad. So... Extra Life Radio started, uh, again, as an MP3, but it wasn't until 04, early 04, that um, I heard about podcasting and RSS and all this stuff, and it was like, oh, my gosh, finally there is a way to do this and do it right. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. So I sort of relaunched everything, and Extra Life Radio took off. A year later, I started The Instance, mostly in reaction to the crappy wow shows that were on the air at the time. They were all kind of lame. And um, or at least to me, and I said, well, if you're going to complain, you may as well make something that you you like or that you'd want to listen to. So started that show in January of 06. That took off real big. Totally surprised for me. I had no idea that was coming. Just was, again, was doing it because I love the game. And uh, it all kind of branches from that. Like that's, uh, you know, 04 to 06 are very important, a very important period of time for me. Um, that's when things just exploded. And uh, really hasn't slowed down since. And now we're, what, near 18 shows on the network as a whole. I host seven or eight of them myself. Uh, we have a successful morning show. The Instance continues to be a juggernaut. Uh, ELR has been retired but uh, replaced with all sorts of other great stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all, it's funny because I'm, you know, this all led to me in 1908, or 1908, it led to me in 2008 to uh, be able to quit uh, my full-time gig and do this full-time. And so I am drawing cartoons and recording radio shows for a living, something that my eight- or nine-year-old self was dying to do, and I would love to go back and just grab him and go, dude, guess what I'm doing? You're, I'm doing that thing you want to do. I probably shouldn't do that. We should never mess with the time continuum, but you know what yeah, I mean? If, like if, I would, if sci-fi like, has ch- taught us anything, it's, it's just don't, don't go there. Yeah, that's right. And never have Tasha Yar on your ship. That's the other thing it taught us. But, she, um, won't stay, she won't stay long. She's, you know, a big plastic bag will get her any minute now. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's 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 the, the short of it. I mean, it's a long time. It represents about a decade of my life in terms of my real efforts on the Internet. Well, um, I mean, you, start, you started from the, the dual-prong approach of you had an established webcomic in the form of Extra Life. Yeah. Where you had begun blending your love for video games with your uh, desire to do a webcomic. So that was right. standing there. And then Absolutely. over here on the right, you've got this podcasting thing, which has also get bitten you and infected you with the bug of, I want to do this as well. Mm-hmm. And you've managed to collide them together 
And at what point did you think, let's make this a network? And you know, where did where did Frog Pants Studios number one? Where the heck did you get the name? And number two, <laughs> was, what was its you know where did where did it germinate? In, ter- in 2002, I purchased the domain frogpants.com because my wife and I were considering at the time opening a local bookstore for kids called Frog Pants. And it was just going to be full of kids' books and big dorky frog cartoons on the walls. And just we had this idea, right? Well, that never happened because you just get too busy. We're raising three kids. There's a lot going on, and it just never happened. But I never forgot the name, and I always really liked it. Well, in, I want to say, 07? Or so, oh, oh, 06, or late oh, 06, maybe early oh, 07, my accountant's like, you know what? You're doing enough with your sponsorships and your commission artwork and stuff that you really need to sort of LLC this stuff and get it separate from your, from your full-time gig. And I said, all right, let's do that. And he's like, well, do you have a name for it? And I, it took me about three seconds to remember the name Frog Pants and thought, oh, that'd be a great name. So Frog Pants LLC was born that day, and I already had the domain, so that was easy. And um, it just sort of stuck. And it's also just kind of indicative of my brain. Like, I like goofy, silly names and stuff that makes no sense. And it's a total non sequitur. So I feel, I feel like Frog Pants is a great name for that sort of thing. But um, it just sort of stuck. And when I jumped out full-time on my own in, o- in 08, um, you know, it's, it's Frog Pants Studios for real. Like, it is, it is what I do now. Now, you've said about uh harvesting shows to become part of the network where, where, when did you decide to go from i do podcast to i'm going to gather a crowd of podcasters because i mean let's, let's just go down the list here we've got the morning stream wood mm-hmm. talk online yep. uh east meets west yep the instance the movielicious yeah app slappy coverville with that that other guy <laughs> critical hit yeah. sword and laser Film Sack, Current Geek, Hypothetical Help, Final Score, Ladies of Elite, Comics Coast to Coast, Phileas Club, Diary of a Cartoonist, Forecast, and The Creep. Oh, excuse me, and the AIE Podcast. Did we get the uh, Sword and Laser in there? I can't remember. Yep, Sword and Laser was there, yep. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, I knew it was in there, but I couldn't remember if you said it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, that, about two years ago, occurred to me that it, this could be more than just me. Um. That, that, that one of the things that this has afforded me, this experience and this, this time spent working on all this and doing things that, and I'm not going to stand there and say I'm a pioneer or anything weird like that because there are a lot of people doing a lot of great work out there that you know probably feel the same. But I do feel like I'm working in an, in an unknown space largely. Like there's a lot of unknowns here still. We're sort of building this as we go. Um, and part of that experience has gotten uh, me involved with people who I now really value relationships of like I'm I, I without all of this work and effort I would never have met uh, certain people that have really sort of helped uh, expose the network um, and they're and they're real friendships people who you know can be relied upon who can rely on me who who we were able to sort of cross pollinate the work we do and it's it's amazing it's people like Tom Merritt and it's people like Veronica Belmont it's you know others it's people like you it's like there's there's a you get these chance meetings with people who have mutual benefits to working with each other in different ways but can are, are you know can, can create a greater whole than the whole than the sum of their parts if that's a way of saying that well, yeah, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a testament to the beauty of the one of the things that the internet does that is good which is connecting people because if you just trace our 
meeting each other back. It was a momentary chance tweet that one of our mutual listeners sent out because you had yep. sent out a tweet saying, I need help with this shoutcast thing. And a person out there who listened to your shows and our shows said, oh, well, these guys over here do shoutcast. And then all of a sudden we're doing Nerdtacular. And, and what what just happened? The internet. Yeah, happened. and you and you were there day one for TMS uh, to do a, a, an alternate audio stream, which has turned out to be a really good thing for a whole lot of listeners. And uh, we also use it for the instance right now. And I don't know, just those kinds of things seem to happen all the time to me. I just keep running into people, smart people, thoughtful people, good people who uh, have a lot of similar interests, common interests, and it just is great. Like that is perhaps my favorite thing about this. If it's not my favorite, it's a very close second to the fact that the the audience themselves and the community surrounding the Frog Pants shows um, and the comics and everything else um, are just, it's an amazing array of human beings. And they're just so um, just generous and smart and mature. And the anti thing we all think about on the internet with most trolls and you know youtube commenters those people just don't exist in this in this space that i've carved out and i don't know why that is exactly but i i don't question it and i don't care i just love it i love the fact that they're they come from all walks of life they come from all ethnic backgrounds and racial backgrounds they come from all over the place some of them play a lot of video games some of them don't you know there's just this great array of people but the one thing they have in common is they all really dig this content uh, for what one reason or another, and in the end, it just makes such a great ecosystem for building out new stuff and fleshing out projects that would otherwise be dull or not as cool or whatever. And so, it, you know, the relationships I've made with these key individuals that now have shows on the network or that I work with on a regular basis, um, that extends out to the audience and that extends out even further, and that's really the, the meat and potatoes of this thing are these people. Um, I, I for, you know, I may provide some common place for them to be, but but really, it's them that I need. Um, well, there's, there's something to be said for, for building the platform, um, and I mean, we, somebody's got to counterbalance the four chans of the world. So I think it's very important that those platforms exist. Yeah, and, and they exist more than people think. They're just not as loud as the four chans of the world. You know, like yeah. somebody at four chan may hear this right now and hack you tomorrow. I don't know. That's kind of how they work. Yeah, but whatever. but but the larger part of I I really believe the larger part of the internet and the humanity that exists within it are generally good and good-hearted people who are who are you know trying to communicate, work together, play together, entertain together, and and I and I feel like they're just not a loud, obnoxious group, and so you don't hear from them as much. Um, but I you know unless you I mean you were there you were yeah and you were at Nerdtacular you you saw the vibe there it's an yep. amazing sense of of community and stuff and and it and it's never just about me it's about a bigger thing um it's really really difficult to put my finger on it it's kind of like you know blizzcon people are going to go to blizzcon this year this year and be super excited to be there and all excited about what blizzard's going to say but in the end they just want to see their friends most of them you know they want to see their guildmates. they want to be around the platform that tied them together in the first place and and Blizzard is amazing at doing that as well. But really, it's still the most important part is the actual people. Without it, Blizzard has nothing. So I, I feel the same way. It's in, it's humbling, and I don't ever want to take it for granted because, um, you know, it's uh, nothing without it. I'm going on Twit later today, for example. And, you know, this opportunity has afforded me a chance to meet some really smart people. Twit's a good example of that. Now, for, for uh, new people who may not know the uh, acronym, TWIT stands for, This Week in... This, this Week in Tech. And it's their network over there. 
and they've got you know they're doing amazing work. I mean, Leo Laporte and his his crew are just you know knocking it dead. They they have cornered the tech business. They took Tech TV, which Leo was a part of, and basically put it on the internet uh, by themselves. And it's amazing what they've been able to pull off. And it's great to be able to call Leo a friend or Tom or or Iaz or any of the guys that work over there, Sarah Lane and others. Um, you know, it's just created friendships that go beyond the podcast. People I can text, uh, you know, randomly on a weekend and send a dumb picture I found on a Walmart, or you know, I, I can just have I have a relationship with them that is akin to being someone I grew up with or know as a friend or a neighbor or whatever, not just these these pseudo web celebrity folk that you meet online. It's 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 very interesting, and none of this was expected. I didn't know that I'd be able to forge these kind of relationships or build this kind of good good vibe between everybody that was not in my head at all but it's all sort of come and i've decided that that's key uh whether i knew about it or not it's turned out to be the most important part all right then you're summing up nicely why most of us do this hobby it is to reach those people and that's another thing that the internet does beautifully is it allows us to find each other so uh yeah, yeah i think you've, you've hit it on the head there at least at least for it's me also, it's it's also a great way too to just sort of have an outlet for not our demons, but like like the morning stream is a place where I can let opinions fly. Like if I feel really strongly about something, I can get it out there. There's something incredibly satisfying about being able to let your true thoughts hang out, have others take those thoughts, formulate their own, and throw some of that back at you and do that in, a, in sort of a mature way. Even if you totally disagree with somebody, to be able to do that in a way that is you know, uh, thought-provoking, opens your eyes to other perspectives. Like, the stuff we struggle so hard to do as, as humanity and we never seem to be able to, to do in all of our history, we just suck at this. In my own carved-out little piece of it, it actually seems to work there. And I don't know if that can be gleaned from. Somebody can figure out a way to extract that and apply it to the larger political picture in the world. I don't know, but probably not. But, it, but if there were a way, it'd be really nice because I, I feel like there's... Um, just a great, I don't know, mutual respect. You get your occasional trolls and your lame commenters and your whatevers. Those always happen, but it's way more rare than it should be. And um, See, that sounds just, just terribly, terribly appealing to me. <laughs> like, I, I'm, My brain is going, hey, I need to develop me a show like that so I can have that outlet because it's like therapy. Bring it on and in my copious spare time. Yeah, it is a bit like therapy. That's a good way to put it. No, yeah, I, I, I find that sure. very, very appealing. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's, before in our remaining time here, part of which was eaten by the evil that is Skype. Damn you, Skype. Only since Microsoft. You know, it was totally stable before Microsoft grabbed it, right? Ha-ha, <laughs> 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 Slash sarcasm, but I, I blame them as well. <laughs> all right, it's time for me to get all James Lipton on your ass here and hit you with the questionnaire. All right. Scott Johnson, are you ready? I'm so ready. You wouldn't even believe how ready I am. I'm totally ready. Scott, what is your favorite word? Um, my favorite word. Oh, crap. That's not my favorite word. Um, uh, dingus. What is your oh. least favorite word? Oh, no, you, you, you can't explain if you want, but you're not required. To. No, 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 I'm not going to. <laughs> Just let that one lie out there in the ether. Dingus is my favorite word. What is your least favorite word? Um, uh, um, laboratory. Laboratory with the V. Yeah, like the toilet. 
version. Scott, that what? <laughs> Apparently, it hates you too. <laughs> Scott, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, creating things, making stuff, drawing things, uh, taking blank paper and turning it into something meaningful, uh, taking blank airwaves and turning it into something meaningful. Just being able to make stuff is whatever that is. And right now it's a lot of digital, but whatever that is for people, if it's wood, if it's, you know, paper, whatever it is, I love that, that feeling of accomplishment when you've made something, created something out of nothing. So you'd call yourself a maker? Yeah, I'd say so. What turns you off? Uh, hmm. Pro- that's a good question. Probably... Uh, passive-aggressive behavior. I hate that. And the one that most people are probably waiting for, Scott, what is your favorite curse word? Oh, my favorite one? That's be an actual one, right? It, no, be, it can be whatever you want it to be as long as it is your favorite. My favorite is probably the German form of shit, which is shite. <laughs> well, not no, I'm sorry, that's shiza. So not German, but... Often in European countries, people will say shite. Mm-hmm. I really like that. So if I break my, hit my thumb or I, my car does something dumb or whatever, I run out of gas, I'm always going, shite! just love that. <laughs> and next on the list here we have, what sound or noise do you love? Um, I'm not much of a gambler, but I love the sound of a slot machine. Especially when there's a bunch of them, they all go. There's something fun about that. But I think if oh, you know what my favorite is? I think oh yeah. See, I take that back. But it's kind of similar. It's an arcade. The ambient sound of an arcade. I would give you. I would give you an example of that. Do I have an example? I don't. Uh, anyway, like this, this walking into an arcade and just hearing Dig Dug mixed with Galaga, mixed with people mumbling, mixed with the sound of, of pinball um, flippers moving, just that wall of arcade noise is fantastic. I could listen to that all day. And in fact, do I have like a 45-minute MP3 of pinball machines, or not pinball machines, but arcades of different eras, like early 80s, mid-90s, that kind of stuff that just is playing games, and, and I, I can fall asleep to that. I love that. And what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, the harp sound on my iPhone for an alarm. <laughs> I hate that because I use it as an alarm, and I hate the sound of any alarm noise, so that's kind of ruined it for me. Um, but I would give a close second to... Um, Oh, man. Uh, I give a close second to hearing uh, an episode of Survivor in the background. Like I'm in another room and I hear Survivor uh-huh. going on. I hate the sound of that. Just grates on you. It's a terrible sound. sound. And what profession, other than your own, mm-hmm. in this case multiple, would you like to attempt? A uh, teacher. I would love to be a, that's sort of in the same vein, but I would love to be a high school art teacher those guys made any money at all i would probably go for that i may do that anyway at some point if i can get things where i want them sort of retire early retire early or something i would probably go do that i would love that 
I can uh, highly recommend it because I do the uh, part-time thing over at UAT, and I find it to be exactly as rewarding as I think you suspect it may be. Yeah, every time I volunteer or go do like a class or something, I just I go, oh man, if I could, I would love to do this every day. I love it. I love kids. I love smart little brains that are just starting to figure themselves out. You know, love it. And what profession would you absolutely not like to participate in? Um, accounting of any sort. I would rather do just about anything but be an accountant. Numbers are your, are your not your. Friend. I'd rather dig ditches, really. I really would. I'm not kidding about that. I hate accounting. I have a great accountant, and thank goodness, because... So you don't have to. I don't want to do it. It's the worst. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'd like him to go, so yeah, good use of your time. So... You didn't waste too much of it. Um, in fact, you even turned some of your things like video games and World of Warcraft and stuff into uh, positive, profitable ventures, so good job on that. And then he would say, or I would hope he would say, but moreover, uh, you were a great father and husband. Good job on that. Your kids turned out great, and uh, you were a good dad. That would be really good for me to hear. Right there with you on that one. All right. So far, so good. My kids are way too smart and happy and like grounded <laughs> than I than they deserve to be from me being their dad. But it turned out awesome. Yeah, I got to interact with them uh, a little bit in their tacular, and I can say, "Yep, you're absolutely right. They are good kids. Damn fine individuals." Mm-hmm. All right, I believe you have another engagement you need to go to here shortly. I correct? do have a thing, but man, I. I can't. I've really enjoyed this. Skype or no Skype, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Skype is our, our friend and enemy, all all in one neat, neat little software package. Yep. Love to hate with, it. With any luck, we can do this again sometime when there's more, even more interesting and fun stuff to talk about. Absolutely. All right. We'll do our programmatic announcements here as we say bye-bye to the chat room and to all you podcast listeners. You have been listening to an episode of Alpha Geek Interviews live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Next two Fridays, in some order yet to be determined, uh, though we're still working it out, you will have either Mike Furman or Marion Call. Um, so tune in next Friday after the instance, and I'll have one or the other of them there for you. Uh, both fine uh, singer-songwriters in their own rights, uh, Marion Call doing nerd-based uh, lovely ballads, and Mike Furman doing the solo stand-up comedy slash uh, singer-songwriter thing. Looking forward to chatting with both of them. So tune in next week after the instance for one or the other of them, and then the week after that, I'll have whichever one didn't come this Friday. They're basically fighting it out over which one gets to go first. Yay! Uh, Yay! (laughs) Check us out on the web, vtwproductions.com. Click on the Shows tab at the top of the page and see all the fine offerings you will be glad that you did. Our RSS feeds are created and maintained by JitBit RSS Feed Creator. Check them out on the web at www.jitbit.com. As Scott also well knows, we have the Typefrag Ventilo server, which uh, should sound uh, awfully similar to certain sponsorships you have over on Frog mm-hmm. Pants. Indeed. 
We have a fine demo uh, Ventrilo server. The information to tune in is available on the front page of vtwproductions.com. Send your emails into the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. I have been your host, Other Todd. Joining me today has been Scott Johnson of Frog Pants Studios fame. Scott, send us out on whatever you feel like. I will leave this bit of uh, advice. Uh, I'll, I'll quote, if I could quote the great Frank Zappa and say, Watch out where the huskies go, and don't you eat that yellow snow. There I think go. a Dr. Demento-related reference is a fine thing to go out on. <laughs> I feel very good about myself. I, I'm liking this show, and once we edit out that Skype dropout, all shall be well. It'll be amazing. It will be amazing. Thank you for joining us. I have another Todd. That has been Scott Johnson, and we are out of here. <laughs>